Hello everybody, my name is Jon and you're listening to another episode of the Vineyard Nordic podcast. I think it's to us, missions is this unique word that only a few people are called to be and are the ones who move out and live far, uh, very remotely in, in a developing nation or something like that. But every Christian is a missionary. Like I see missions as just being about sharing the love and the hope of Christ. It doesn't just look like standing on the street and sharing the name of Jesus, but it's definitely just as much about actions and sharing that hope through our actions to people that have never heard about him before, never experienced that kind of love and hope before. The Vino Nordic Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with the latest news and inspiring stories relating to how God is at work in the Vino Nordic community. And speaking about what God is doing in the Vino Nordic community, today we have a special guest with Mai and Steve from Aarhus Vineyard, Denmark. They are sharing about the ministry that they are part of leading together with the team, which is called Vineyard for Hope. It's a missions ministry out of Aarhus Vineyard with aim to be a ministry that can involve churches from all over the Nordic. They are working to pray and to support financially and support in other ways different organizations in developing countries working with social justice. I really like this interview and I really think we got a good insight into overseas missions, but also that missions is something that's available for all of us back home where we live, but also to try and go overseas and help out somewhere. So I really hope and believe that this episode will inspire you and challenge you in different ways. So let's kick off. Okay, so very welcome again to this episode of the Vineyard Nordic Podcast. Today I'm very happy to have some friends from Denmark here with me, Mai and Steve. So good to have you here. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here, part of this podcast. Yeah. Where are you from in Denmark? We are both from Aarhus Vineyard, so the main part of, of Denmark called Jutland, and the city is called Aarhus. Yeah, and it's a vibrant, what do you say, student city, I heard. Yeah, it's a very young demographic. I think the average age is 23 in the city. Yeah, I heard. So I we had Anna, your pastor, oh, with yeah. us in the beginning of this season too. And she said that was a really young average age. So how is it to live there? Have you? I mean, are you brought up there or are you moved there? Or I moved here three and a half years ago to work. There's a big hospital here where I work in. I like this city because there was a lot of international people living here and also patients. And so, yeah, that's what brought me here. And you, Steve? I'm actually from Australia originally. I've been living in Ovals for about seven years, in Denmark for seven years. Originally came here working for a Danish company and thought we'd try out living in Europe. So with my wife, who's from Singapore, and then we just fell in love with the country and the town. And so you're really from Australia? Australia, Singapore, and end up in Denmark. Yes, I can't yeah. get much further away from Australia before I start getting closer again. No, that's true. So that was the goal, to get as far as possible. <laughs> Not originally, but it turned no. out that way. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. How would you guys describe yourself with two words, if we start with you, Mai? Wow. I think adventurous. I love adventure, any kind of adventure. And maybe calm. I feel like my, I have a calm personality and so, yeah. Hmm? And with adventures, what do you like with <laughs> that? Any kind of adventures. 
um, yeah. travels, sports, it, yeah, any kind of activities with friends, family, outdoor, just experiencing new cultures and new things. And yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, you, Steve, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I feel like my cheater by getting in first was the exact two I was thinking of. <laughs> it's a bird, like, other, definitely adventurous was the first one that came to mind. Yeah. And then just to not have the exact same two, I guess we'll say contemplative. Contemplative? I like to, yeah, I like to spend some time alone just to, uh, yeah, thinking about things, anything really. Yeah. Are you a person who likes to kind of study things deep and learn things? Definitely. I'm very much into details and figuring out everything from scratch, how everything works. And, yeah. yeah. And and ventures that goes with moving to other countries might be one of those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just, uh, I, love, I love trying new things, any kind of sport or activity or yeah. hobby. The problem is I don't really stick with hobbies long enough. I get bored very easily. So I'll start a new hobby and I'll be really into it for maybe six months or a year and then I'll kind of get bored and have to find something else. <laughs> yeah, that's good. If you share a little bit like what you guys are doing at the moment in life and yeah, just so people know a little bit more about you, if we start with you, Steve. Sure. I'm, I'm a full-time software developer. I studied robotics engineering in Australia and then uh, I met my Singaporean wife there yeah, and moved to Singapore where I started working at a Danish company, then moved to Denmark. Yeah, so I don't work for that same company anymore, but I'm still in, in software development. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Are you, May? Yeah, I'm a midwife. That's my job. And I work full-time at the hospital here, delivering babies, taking on pregnant women. And I'm really enjoying that. And then in my spare time, I do spend quite a lot of time at our church, volunteering and with Vignette for Hope, what we'll be talking about later. And I'm on the leadership team with our church, which I'm really happy and excited about. So, yeah. And... Then just started bouldering. That's my new hobby. What is a bouldering? Climbing, but in indoor climbing. So you're oh, not in, yeah, not in ropes, but yeah. Like my New Year resolution was to get a new hobby, and so that's it. That kicked off quite fast, then. <laughs> it did, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not like Steve. I hope that this is going to be a long-lasting thing. So, but let's see. Yeah, I have recognized that it's a hobby that kind of becomes more and more popular these days to climb. Yes. I have a lot of friends who have started and yeah. So to go on to some quick questions for you to answer, I would like you to name one of your favorite streaming series like Netflix or Amazon or there's a lot of them out there. Good question. Oh, I do watch a lot of them, but one of my favorites is called Elementary. It used to be on Netflix and it's not anymore. So, but it's about like a modern Sherlock Holmes in New York. And I really enjoy that show. That sounds I, good. I like detective shows. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Are you, Steve? Yeah, I, I remember seeing that one. I liked that one as well. I don't actually watch that many like series anymore in these days. I had to watch some YouTube. I'm not really. There's no one particular series that has my attention at the moment or anything I'm particularly into right now. Okay. What's the best place you have ever visited? This is a good question, actually. I didn't know you were adventurous, both of you. So maybe you have a lot of places to choose between. But pick one place that you love to visit. That's a good question. I recently went to Iceland. Until then, I would say New Zealand was my favorite adventure or country to go to. But Iceland is... It was pretty spectacular and 
really cool and very adventurous. So yeah. that was that's a really special place. Expensive though, but I would definitely recommend people to go there if they are adventurous and if they like anything outdoorsy and nature and it's stunning. Yeah. Hey, Steve. It's really hard to pick only one. But I think if I think of all the places I've visited that I want to visit again, I'd probably have to say Japan. I spent two weeks there some many years ago when I was living in Singapore. And it was just a really beautiful country with amazing people and such deep history and culture. We spent one week skiing and one week traveling on the bullet train down the East Coast. One week wasn't enough to, <laughs> to absorb that much of the country. So, yeah, I really want to go back there. Uh, that sounds cool. That's a place a I also wanted to visit sometime. I've been in Asia, a couple of countries, but not Japan, actually. So that would be nice. And last question, what was one childhood dream you had of becoming one day? You know, mine is really boring because I've actually always wanted to be a midwife. My dad is a photographer and he uh, took photos when I was being delivered when, and doing so for my mom's delivery or birth. Yeah. My mom made a scrapbook. I was born in the 80s, you know, where were you? The time that you made scrapbooks. Yeah. And so she had, and I remember as a young kid just watching it or looking at all the photos in the scrapbook and was so amazed by her big, beautiful belly. And there was photos of a midwife in there as well. And so I was like, that just stood out to me. And for the longest time, I wanted to be a midwife. And so that was yeah. my opinion. It must be in many ways a cool uh, word to do. I mean, to get birth to new life must be very cool. My mom worked as a midwife as well for many, many years. So, yeah. And how about you, Steve? Did you have any dreams or... Dream work. Yeah, that one's a lot more serious. I just I always just wanted to be Superman. Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So once I figured that was a bit unrealistic, but I think maybe it influenced my desire to travel as well. I remember when I was a kid living, we grew up in um in the sort of country areas in Australia, and we went very well off. So the even just now thinking about that, I'm actually now living in Europe and having these opportunities to travel is pretty wild. I remember when I was a kid on the farm, I used to look up at the planes that would fly overhead and would just think about the people inside, like, where are they going? What are their stories? What adventure yeah. are they on? Yeah. yeah. So I think for me, I, know, I didn't have one fixed idea of what I wanted to do for a living, but I knew I just wanted to explore and see more of the world and go yeah. as many adventures as I could. Actually, that's quite interesting because I remember this guy, I don't know what it's called. Is it called Human of New York or something? The guy who photographer, the photographer who writes stories about people in New York and he yeah, posts a picture of them. Instagram? Yeah. I imagine to do that on an airport somewhere, like a big airport that goes to all countries almost. That would be nice. Yeah. But anyway, I want to go on and I want to hear a little bit more about you and for you to share some stories from your life that have shaped who you are today. That's something we normally do here to ask the person on the other side to, to share some stories. So maybe you want to start, Steve, to share a story from your life? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a fairly conservative Christian evangelical family in Australia. And my, for the first four years of my life, my parents were actually missionaries. So they did mission work in Papua New Guinea, I think they did it for 16, 17 years in total. I was only along for the last four years. And I had a tiny sort of little flashes of memories from that time. Some pretty interesting and wild things. And I remember seeing a plane crash at one point when I was trying to land on one of the small airports. I guess I remember that because it was pretty traumatic. But otherwise, I don't have many memories of the actual mission work in Papua New Guinea itself. 
But when we were growing up, we always, it was always still a big part of our lives. We always had pictures of missionaries on the fridge that we were supporting and we'd go to sort of missionary reunions and most of our sort of family, friends and relatives involved in mission work somehow. So I grew up with this idea that it, that this kind of mission work is important and it's part of, it was part of our sort of everyday life and really deeply embedded in our family culture. So I didn't go on to be a missionary, but that's always kind of something that's appealed to me, just going out, helping those who were less privileged than us growing up in, in sort of wealthy Western countries. And, and I think I don't have the same theology now as I did growing up or then, but and it's still it's a really core fundamental part you know, to me in sharing the gospel. It's it is love in action. That's what it means to to share the gospel. That's what Jesus was doing most through most of his life and throughout his ministry. He talked so much more about what to do and how to behave. And so, yeah, I think that's just really shaped my current yeah. worldview. That even though I'm doing sort of software development for a private company and just you know involved in capitalism and just earning money <laughs> for somebody, I still have that desire to do something more meaningful with the other mm. parts of my life where what, I can. What would you say when you were young, growing up in the missionary family, what would you say were things that you saw your parents maybe do or you saw people around them? What were the things that affected you from living that kind of life? I mean, it's very different from growing up in a mid-class neighborhood or whatever. What well, would you say would be like the things that really marked you as a young person? I think that the difference being a missionary kid was all the stories that our family would tell of times that I don't remember. And they always had all these pictures of these native Papua New Guineans, uh, just the bonds and friendships that, that they created by going and helping them and providing them with uh, opportunities and resources that they would otherwise never be able to experience. And so I think just having all those stories sort of ingrained into me whenever we, it's, it's weird how often they would come up because we were in Australia by that time. They, they weren't in the mission field, so, so to speak, anymore. Mm. I mean, it sounds like you really got the positive effect of this. What I wanted to say is that like growing up after this, how would you say that maybe your life was changed by this time or this experience and memories compare if maybe you wouldn't have had that with you in your kind of teenage years and so on? I guess it was about well, not just from stories, but also in, in our everyday life, living on a really small farm in Australia. With, without, we went very well off and just seeing the way God would provide and all the stories about the mission field, all the just amazing things that, that would happen. And yeah, I think they made God very real to me in a way that I probably wouldn't have otherwise experienced. Mm. Yeah, I haven't been in mission in that way myself, but I've been with YWAM, Youth for the Mission, for a few times. And I mean, we were with outreaches and stuff like that. But really what marked me with people that I met that was long-term missionaries and stuff, it was really like you say as well, this kind of uh, surrendering and really trusting God to provide and how really life could be different <laughs> and how adventurous life could be and how fun life could be when really stepping out and daring to trust God to come in when doing these things that he's calling us to do. I think that was one really kind of eye-opener for me to see that the life with God is so much bigger and wider and so much fun <laughs> than I had thought before because we narrowed down. I go there as a Swede. I had all my money prepared to go to this mission trip and some of them didn't have a single penny and I was like, this is not responsible to go to this Bible school without money and just trusting God or whatever. But then seeing how God comes and, and do his thing and, and provide and what that led to was just incredible, I think. So, yeah. I can understand a small part of it, even though I haven't been for long-term missions, but yeah. 
And about you, May, what would you say would be some story that have shaped you? Yeah, well, I think now that you just shared that, I'll share a story. I was in, I've been in YWAM too, and I've seen what you're talking about. It's mostly Americans that come, but they really trust for finances to to come in and in a way that we're not used to, in, in the at least in the Scandinavian church. And so that was mind-blowing to me as well, both the fact that they were trusting God or trusting God to work through people in that way, but also to seeing the money that they did fundraise. Yeah. Um, so I was in YWAM. I did a DTS, which is the, a discipleship training school, what you probably did as well. Danny. Yeah. While I was doing that, I heard about this. They call it a second level school called Birth Attendant School that you can do in Australia in Perth. And so it was pretty much training up midwives or birth attendants to also be missionaries and to work in developing nations as advocates for women and for women's health and then also doing missions. And so it just, as soon as someone mentioned that school to me or I read about it, I just started crying because I knew exactly that was what God had put on my heart. And so, but it would take another year to do the school and it would take a lot of extra finances. And I was just, I can't do this. I had all these excuses why I wouldn't do it. And so after my DTS, shortly after, I was in a pretty big car accident and I broke my neck and I had a surgery in my neck so that, and a, a few things, but, but recovered very well. But after a year or so, I got my insurance company would paid me quite a big amount of money because I have some like long-term injury. And so the day I got that money, which was more than enough to cover that school, the birth attendance school in yeah. Australia, I just felt God was saying to me, now you have the money, now you can go. So yeah, it was just to me such a testimony of when God does call you to do something, he will provide as well. Yeah. That could be money or it could be something else. but could be opportunities and, you know, a team or people, a community. And, but for me in that situation, it was mainly the money. And so, yeah, when he calls you to do something, he will provide as well. Yeah. It's funny how he provides sometimes. I mean, sometimes through very, what to say, non-predicted ways. I he would not say that he caused me to be in a car accident so that no. I could get money, but he used, he got something good out of a really horrible situation. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he made a way for me to go because of it. So, how has speaking about that? I think we will get into a little bit more about that later with with your experience from missions yourself. But growing up, were you a Christian then, May, or was that something you met later on in in life? Uh, yeah, I met it later on. I was not. I did not grow up in a Christian family. Not really with any Christians around me, other than just the Christian culture that is here in Denmark, like in the rest of Scandinavia, and so. But I liked to sing. And so when I was 10, 12 years old, I was singing in a church choir at just at the Folgekirke, the state church. And at one point we moved. And so I, I went to a different state church to sing. And they had like a youth group and they had actually had young people going to the church and was being a part of the church. And so that was new to me. And then a girl from the choir invited me to be a part of their youth group. And that that really was how I got into the church and got welcomed in. And f- the first time I really heard about or saw Christians living out God's love and living a life that was different from the people that was a part of my family and my friends and so on. 
Yeah. So I became a Christian when I was 12. Oh, that's nice. And if we lead into a little bit about missions and what we want to speak about a little bit more today in this episode, I know as you share, you both of you have experienced from missions in different ways, and you're also part of a new ministry in, in Aarhus, which we also going to talk about. But if we start off with your own like hearts for mission and how did that kick off? I mean, Steve, maybe you're, you have already shared a little bit about that, but please share a little bit more. Like, why do you have a heart for mission today? Yeah, uh, good question. I think a part of it, as I mentioned before, I'm quite contemplative. So now that we've more or less settled down and we've actually lived in Denmark now longer than we lived in Singapore. And I spent nearly half of my life outside of Australia, actually. But now that we're more, more sort of settling down, I started to think about you know, what, what, I, what I wanted to do with my life, that I want to be a, a software developer contributing to in private, uh, private companies. And I think there's meaning in that for sure. And the relationships that you have with people in the workplace. But I started thinking more about it, is this the extent of it? Is this what I want to spend sort of half my waking hours on almost? And I've also been sort of re reanalyzing a lot of my beliefs, the theology that I was kind of raised into as I grew up. I'd never really sort of questioned a lot of the, the beliefs I had when growing up. And so I think a combination of those two processes led me to believe that I want to do more and have more of an impact on and reflect the love that Christ showed to other people a lot more than what I was doing in my everyday life. So that's kind of impacted how I relate to other people, but it's also led me to seek out other opportunities to be more involved, even if not directly, but at least by supporting other organizations and people who are really fighting against the injustices that people in both in Denmark and abroad, especially abroad in developing countries are facing. Mm. Yeah. And you, May, how did you get into it? Well, it, to me, it really, it was definitely the exposure through the organization YWAM and, and that just opened the doors to going abroad and seeing long-term missionaries and the work that they were doing and the heart that they had for their nations. And that led me to really God leading me into joining a missions team in Nepal and being there long-term after my YWAM experiences. So I would say it was a journey, but because I was introduced to it and, and someone put words into what missions is and what really what the heart behind it is and where the need is around the world. And so I think when you hear it, but also see it and experience it and meet people in the real world outside of our own borders that are you know, living lives that are different than yours, that maybe have never heard about God or Jesus before, or that are, yeah, just are living in poverty or experiencing social injustice or, you know, you, your heart, <laughs> you can't help to, God, God is showing you his heart and, and that breaks breaks my heart or that broke my heart and that's that that's really what happened i would say and um yeah. why i still have a heart to see those things happen and to see people reached both with the gospel but also with justice and good health care and a lot of other things i think it's important to say that every christian is a missionary i think it's to us missions is this unique word that only a few people are called to be yeah. and are the ones who move out and live far, uh, very remotely in, in a developing nation like Papua New Guinea or in the Himalayas in Nepal or something like that. But every Christian is a missionary. Like I, I see missions as just being about sharing the love and the hope of Christ, both through our actions and through our words. And so I think missions can look 
it doesn't just look like standing on the street and sharing the name of Jesus, but it's definitely just as much about actions and sharing that hope through our actions to people that have never heard about him before, have never experienced that kind of love and hope before. Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, it's, as you say, very easy to box it in as something out there for some people to do. I think that's also something that's been opening up for me also. Actually, after YWAM, I would say when I came back home, I saw like, okay, it's not meant to just be a bubble that some people go and do, but it's actually available for me wherever I am to reach people. That's basically, I mean, the Great Commission is to to go to all people and all people includes the people we have like in the next door to us back home as well. So yeah, it's really mission everywhere. But when for you to, I mean, go into a little bit more long-term oversee mission, I mean, you shared a little bit, but what led you to do it and how did that form you and what did you learn through those years? Yeah, so I ended up doing that birth attendant school with YLAM that really gave me the skills to, and then I also took a bachelor degree in midwifery in Denmark. And so I, through those schools, I really gained skills and very practical skills in women's health and maternal health care. And so I felt over the years that God has been, was putting it on my heart to go and to use that, you know, abroad and in developing nations and in missions. And so I knew after I had finished and was educated and had some work experience here that I was meant to go and I had this longing to go. I had this excitement about going. And on my discipleship training school, we had gone to Nepal. So this was like five years after that. But I went to visit a friend who had moved there to be involved with missions. And I just felt that when I was there, that God told me, okay, this is where you start. This is where you go. And so I went there Maybe thinking I would stay a year or so, working with maternal health care and just kind of discovering and figuring out what God's heart was for that nation and for that place. But really, maternal health care was the main reason why I went was to work with that. And then I remember right before I moved there, I met this guy at a church in England and he said to me, well, what use is there to save women from dying in childbirth if they've never heard of Jesus before? And that that really provoked me, but also really hit me hard. And I think I realized during my time in Nepal that those two are equally important to to have people hear about Jesus if there's no Bible or any church available to them, but also to give them health care and clean water and so on. Yeah. So. I did go to Nepal. Like I said, I believe missions is both doing actions like good health care or providing health care and sharing the love of God. And so I became a part of a team there where people had different skills and different passions and different abilities when it came to missions. And so someone was really eager to go and share God with their words and some were very eager to do it with their actions and their skills. And so I think to me, I was mostly eager to do it with my actions. And so it was perfect to me to join a team where there were people who were also good at doing it with their words. And so I think that was one of my biggest or most important lessons to learn is is to, if you want to do missions in the way that we understand it in a developing nation, join a team or a community where people 
have different skills because long-term missions take a lot of work and a long time and a lot of different skills and a lot of different people to reach people in different levels and ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I found this really great organization that worked amongst Tibetans in the Himalayas. And it was a great team, a great community. And I ended up staying there for four years, actually. (laughs) I know that was not my original plan. I just fell in love with that, fell in love with the work, and fell in love with the people, the Himalayas. And it was the opportunities that it brought to me and the joy that it brought me to to bring healthcare to very remote places and to show God's love and in a very practical way. That sounds good. What would you say, like people thinking about missions, how do you start? I mean, how do you get started? I mean, if you want to go somewhere, you want to raise support and there's a lot of things to think about in the midst of, I mean, trusting God to provide, of course, but what are those things to think about if people are listening and like, I want to do something, but I don't know how to get started. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think I would say, first of all, it is pretty easy. It is possible and there are many opportunities available. You just have to try to go out and find them, which, and that's probably the hardest, hardest job, but look for an organization or a company or an NGO or sending organization or something that will take you and guide you and lead you into it in the first place. That will either train you or give you training on the unreached and in global issues and so on, or go with someone who is already there, already established in a place in the ever, whatever place you want to go and join them and see how they're doing and what they're doing yeah. and learn from people who are already out there. Yeah. Don't go on your own and don't feel like you have to figure that all out on your own because there's lots of amazing people that are very dedicated to one place, one nation, one people group. And they're already out there doing it and lots of amazing organizations. So it's just start looking. I think even before that, and the first step, Maria, is to get your heart shattered for whatever cause it will be. Because it it is easy to go and to start, but it's not a sort of comfortable life. It's not an easy life. It's not a, it's not a well-paying life. So you need to really have a heart and a passion to be able to push through and to continue it and get through it. So Yeah. And I actually jump a little bit maybe now, but in terms of like going to missions, we talked about trusting God for provision and, you know, God can use different ways of provide, but there's also people that are maybe called to be the provider in a way, if you understand what I mean. And I remember actually when I was in Hawaii, when there was this, because I I was in the Kona base in Hawaii, which is the main base. And we had, I, I remember they had like a gathering for a week, like at a leaders gathering. They invited a lot of like business leaders from all over the world that were like supporting YWAM in different ways. We weren't part of that thing, but they, I think we were for one meeting, they, some of them were sharing and just hearing like how they built their multi-million billion companies, but having the hearts to support, like through the business, they wanted to support the mission work, like both financially, but also in other ways, contact network, whatever. And seeing that side also like, okay, some people are really called to step out and trusting God to provide. And I think it's something that is good for everyone to try at least once to just learn to live on the edge and not knowing what tomorrow has for you. But I also think there are people called to be in the business world in both in being, you know, God's hands and feet there and share the gospel and everything, but also through the business and through 
money we make support people that are not making money through their mission work, but making other good things through their mission work. How would you say, Steve, you said like for now you are more into the workplace and how would you say you see, view this maybe that part from your life? How do you see yourself being able to support and how do you see your role in that? Yeah, well, I guess that kind of brings us up into to Vineyard for Hope and the things they're doing there. I think obviously all of these missions works need funding and they need often need support from more developed countries. They need awareness about the situations they're trying to fix and the social injustices that they're trying to to correct. And one of the organizations that we're supporting through our work is called Love Justice International. And the core legs, I guess, of their work is working against human trafficking. And I think what really sort of gave me an epiphany or blew my mind when we looking into this organization was that mission or even being directly involved in the organization doesn't necessarily have to look like like being a missionary. When we think of missionary, we often think of going out into the remote jungle somewhere or riding a donkey up into the mountains to go reach the unreached people groups. But this organization, in, as part of their work against human trafficking, they collect all the data on, on, on people who have been trafficked and they put that into a big database system and they have developed this AI to to go through all of that data and to spit out these red flags that they want to look out for to be able to find people being human trafficked. And just thought it was amazing that even as someone like a software developer, you can still go and work in these organizations doing mission work. And this, yeah. it's all about finding what your passion is and what suits you. You don't have to be go out and hand building you know, churches or buildings out in the jungle in order to be involved in mission work. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because it's important to see that there are different, what to say, giftings and the tasks needed to be part of doing the big mission work all around the world. And it's, yeah, as you said, being a software developer and, and actually use that for such an important work. That's so good. And you're speaking about Vineyard for Hope. We mentioned it earlier. Can maybe some of you, I don't know, share a little bit like what is Vineyard for Hope? How did it start? And yeah. Share a little bit around it. Maybe, May, you want to go? Yeah. So as a Vineyard for Hope team, we recently thought we had to kind of make it a little bit more tangible what we were about and what we wanted to do. And so we made these vision statements. And in, in English, they say that at Vineyard for Hope, we aspire to emulate the compassion of Jesus by reaching out to the people across the world in hope and love. We are inspired by the words of the prophet Micah to do justice and love mercy, particularly towards those most vulnerable. Vineyard for Hope aims to make a tangible impact in the lives of people around the world through financial support, volunteer work, and global partnerships. We strive to raise awareness about the missional work for justice carried out by our partners both within our church and in our country. Additionally, we aim to cultivate a passion for justice in the world by fostering a culture within Aarhus Vineyard where we invest ourselves through prayer, financial assistance, and time. Yeah, so I think I moved back to Denmark from Nepal and I felt like I had been out on the mission field and gone very remote and I've done healthcare and I've shared the love of God and so on. And I then I moved back to Denmark to live a more ordinary life and going to work every day, going to church on Sundays and so on. And so I was it was quite frustrating to me to try to figure out what how could my life still be 
involved in missions, in God's mission and in his work around the world, even though I live in a city like Aarhus. And so that is really how Vineyard for Hope came to life was because I went to my pastors and I said, hey, I have a heart for global work, internationals in our city, the work that God is doing around the world through organizations and so on and social injustice and what do you feel like, what, how should we, could we start a missions partnership at our church? Could we, could we start some kind of ministry from our church uh, involving around that? And yeah, our pastors and, and Simon were just really excited and very supportive. And they were right on board from the beginning. And they're like, yes, yeah. They were just, yeah, saying, please do so. And so I, Got to talk to a few other people from our church that actually had a heart for Asia specifically as well. And so we joined this little group and little team that we called Vineyard for Hope. And so that was like two, two and a half years ago. Then COVID happened and that (laughs) definitely gave us, because we were dreaming about doing a missions trip or doing different things and setting up all these fundraising events and so on. But yeah, COVID happened, which kind of said stop to a lot of those things and didn't make those things possible for a while. Then as things started to open up at the end of last year, I wanted to start by taking a team to a country in Asia that I had been to before and that was on my heart as well. And so we found a way to do some fundraising through an organization in Denmark that actually would sponsor quite a bit of that trip. And so I started talking to friends at church and friends that had been interested in international work or missions or just traveling and adventures and so on. And so we ended up in March last year, six of us went to this country in Asia, where one of the countries that Love Justice International is working in. And we didn't know about Love Justice International at that point, but we went there to visit different organizations that worked uh, with missions. And really the one that we were most keen on and excited about, and that really broke our hearts for injustice, social injustice, and human trafficking was Love Justice International. So on that trip, we decided to partner with them. And then this little team had grown bigger. So Vinet for Hope had suddenly become a, a pretty big team. And so in a very short time, we, we started having meetings and talking about, hey, how do we bring, how do we shatter the hearts of people in our church for this cause and this social injustice that is taking place all over the world? And at the same time, how do we bring awareness about it to our church, but also even maybe wider than that? And how do we partner with them and support the work that they do and that God do through them by fundraising money and, and praying for them? Yeah. Oh, that's good. And really to see where how it started off and how you you went to countries looking for you know organizations, finding this organization and then kind of started the work locally back home. I mean, you share that you both support overseas, but you also want to bring like awareness back home. How is that kind of, what do you say, being lived out now? Have you had like events or how do you kind of raise awareness about this in Aarhus or in Denmark? So it started when we first came back, just sharing about our experiences on the first trip and all the amazing work that they're doing in, especially in Southeast Asia. And now we've been kind of partnering with them for about a year. 
And we just recently, actually last weekend, had our first sort of major fundraising and awareness event, which was a bingo night. And it was targeted mostly within people within our church. So the young sort of student, student dem- demographic, and just to have a good time. And then we, we went around and got prizes donated from the shops for the prizes for the bingo night and then sold food and drinks, bingo tickets on the night to raise money for them. But we were also fortunate enough to be able to get a visit from, from our contact, not just an international. So you could also talk firsthand about what they're doing. And he's just really passionate and, and who is really good at sort of getting people uh, on board and getting them excited. So that's probably the main event we've done so far. We've also been thinking about ways we can hold other events specifically focused on awareness. Yeah, I've talked, we've discussed a lot of different ideas about, yeah, just, just normal sort of events. So like it could be a music concert or anything like that, yeah. but also with this sharing information about specifically, not just the international, the work that they're doing all around the world and how it affects even here in Denmark. Human trafficking is something that is prolific throughout the entire world. And you always think of it as something, oh, that's something that happens in, in developing countries and in Asia and Africa. But it's also important to remember that people get trafficked to Western countries yeah. as well. And so it ties in a lot with, even right here in Denmark, there's this human trafficking. Mm. And you don't fix that by trying to stop every single human trafficker one by one. As long as there's a demand for sex slaves and as long as there's a demand for people who have been trafficked for various reasons, then there'll always be people yeah. to, to traffic them. So it's yeah. kind of a, you need to hit the promote ends. You need to obviously try to intercept and rescue people from the situations, but we also need to change hearts and get more focus on the things that are happening even right in our backyard. Yeah, I think that's really important what you say because I remember there was or there is an organization in Sweden like a nonprofit working also like they call changing attitudes so they talk about how do we change attitudes. They were target mainly young people like teenagers like to speak about the attitudes that leads to buying sex like it's a lot of steps before you actually take that step. And how do we change that just between the view we view women or guys or sex and everything? Like we need to change those attitudes because that's what's leading people to some people in the end to. So, yeah, I think it's really important to go both. And if we think about the ministry you're doing, like if people are interested, like, oh, I want to be part of something, but I'm, you know, maybe not stuck where I live in Scandinavia or but like maybe there you have a work or you have something you can't maybe go somewhere of course we can do things where we live but if you have a heart to contribute to other countries to to developing countries in missions is there a way to to kind of get in contact with you or be a part of what you do even that they don't live in Aarhus or how is that possible yeah definitely people are very welcome to contact me or anyone else from the team steve do we have any official <laughs> site or a way people can message us. If not, you can definitely go on to Aarhus Vineyard's website. We have a page there that is that talks about Vineyard for Hope and you can contact our church um, directly on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that and I'll try to get in touch with you. That sounds really good. Yeah. And what maybe we can put a link in the description. Yeah, maybe we can put a link in the description actually. That's good. People can also follow, for example, oh, I love Justice International is just one of the organizations that you know, Social media is such a powerful tool now for the mission work. So you can follow Love Justice International on Instagram, Facebook, and see firsthand the work they're doing. I think if anyone is interested in something, my recommendation would be just to go. Go somewhere and and maybe you 
go visit a country that Love Justice International is working in or a different organization, but there are so many incredible organizations. And, and really what gets your heart excited about this and what gives you the energy and the passion, the joy to, to do ministry like this in your local church is really because you've gone yourself and seen it and that God has put this on your heart and has broken your heart for the issue. And so that was the cool thing. We, before there was just three of us kind of doing what Vineyard for Hope was. And then we all, or a team of us went this a year later, there's nine of us. And so everyone who went on that trip is still a part of the ministry because we all so excited and passionate about it. And we do want to share it with our church and even with other people as well, because we think it's so important. So God did something in our hearts on the trip that we did. And so that would be my encouragement to, yeah, like Steve said, let God change your heart first and then share that passion and excitement with your local church. Well, if you, if you could mention, like, what would be a dream you would like to see happen through the ministry in, like, the coming five years? Yeah, I've talked a lot about our dreams and how big we want to dream. I think right now when we're just starting out, <clears throat> we don't have super high expectations for each of our current events that we're doing, but our dream is for them just to get bigger and bigger every year. And I can envision music festivals in particular, just as an example. Those are huge in Denmark. So I just think how amazing it would be to try and harness that passion <laughs> But for a good cause and to say, that's I'm just a normal music festival, just like everybody knows and loves. But plus with this aspect of getting the word out about yeah. about a good cause. And yeah, that sounds I good. That Vineyard for Hope became a ministry that was not just from from Oakland's Vineyard, but that it became a part of other vineyard churches all over the Nordic countries. And we were doing seminars at summer camps and at summit and different places like that to see the awareness part and spread out on all those seminar platforms would be really cool. Yeah. And even breaking out beyond the confines or the limits of the church. One thing we experience is when we're collecting donations for this, as soon as you mention anti-human trafficking, it's a really hot topic right now. It's something that people from all walks of life, like there's nobody that thinks human trafficking is a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Except maybe Satan worshippers. It's something that's so easy to get people on board with. Yeah, it's really good. And I really hope to see the ministry grow the coming years. So I'm eager to see how it develops. And it's been really nice to have you here today to speak about, I mean, your own life, but also about missions and and oversee missions and Vineyard for Hope. And I think it has sparked some inspiration in people's minds that has listened. I believe so. And like out of what we have been speaking about today, what would you hope and wish people would be challenged by today? Well, I hope that people are challenged by the fact that we are called to change the world for God and bring his kingdom into all areas of life and of the world. And so that comes to social justice and healthcare and human trafficking and all kinds of things. And so that's the calling that we have as a church. And second, I think that it's, it is really easy and doable to start to be involved and engaged in that kind of work and to partner with God in that way. Like, Steve said we had a fundraising event this Sunday. We called it Bingo for Hope. And so we literally just met. There was like 50 people from our church and we had like a few hours of bingo. And that was our fundraising event. And so we had a lot of fun. We brought awareness to our church and then we raised some money for an incredible organization. And so it doesn't have to be very hard. Be simple and easy 
to partner with God in that way. Sounds really good. And yeah, again, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. And I wish you all the best for the times ahead. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to follow the Wiener Nordic movement and everything that is happening, you can go to Facebook and Instagram and follow us under Vineyard Nordic. You can also help us by subscribing to this podcast on the different podcast platforms. When doing that, you will also get an update every time we have a new episode out. So again, thank you and see you again next time. Bye bye.